Hi, besties. Welcome back to 20-something Teenage Girl, the podcast where sometimes I offer you valuable information and most of the time I just go on tangents. Hi, my name is Marin. I am currently recording this in my car, so hopefully you're not hearing any weird noises. If you are, you know what's going on. Today's episode, we are going to dive into friendship. I've been wanting to talk about friendship since the beginning of this podcast, honestly, since even before. This topic was one of the inspirations for me starting a podcast because I have a lot to say on it. I grew up moving around a lot, so I never lived in the same place for more than a year. So I've kind of experienced almost every form of friendship I think an adolescent can experience. I've gone through a lot of friendship breakups. I've just lost a lot of friends also, you know, just from loss of communication And anyways, suffice to say, I have a good amount of experience when it comes to friendship. Um, And I've also done a good amount of research. And by research, I mean reading books, listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos of people talking about friendship, often people that are a lot smarter than me. And I'm going to do my best to find some of these resources and link them down below because, again, a lot of the times, I mean, I could talk about friendship for an entire hour, but I'm not going to be able to give you all the tips and I'm not going to be able to explain it as well as some people who are much more qualified than me. And if you're like me and you're someone who also really struggles with friendship, I would recommend listening to this whole episode and I would definitely recommend diving into some of these sources because I know that I've struggled with friendship for a really long time and learning more about it has really, really been helpful and very healing. So without further ado, just a quick little overview. Today, we are going to be talking about the friendship recession, which is what I'm calling this time period of our lives. This isn't this isn't my term. Why did I say that? I, I don't know. I've just been seeing a lot of people call this day and age a friendship recession because it seems like adults and young adults, even children, are having less and less friends. So we're going to talk about why that is. We are going to dive into some exercises exercises that you can do if you are in this position where you feel like you're outgrowing your friends, you don't have friends, you want to make new ones, or you're just feeling a little bit wonky about your current social situation. Um, And then we are going to talk about toxic friends who I am going to refer to as energy vampires. I don't really like the term toxic because I don't think that people are necessarily toxic, but I do think that a lot of the times we can find ourselves in relationships with people that aren't in it for our best interest. A lot of the times people like to form relationships with us so that they can benefit off of our energy. Anyways, we're going to dive more into how to discover if any energy vampires are in our midst, any bad friends, and then we're going to talk about how to spot them, how to cope with them, and then how to cut them off if the situation calls for that. Then last but not least, I want to talk about how to become your own best friend, and then we're going to finish off with some tips on how to make new friends. So wow, that was a long introduction. Let's just dive right into this. So I am a person who 
has never had a lot of friends. I've definitely had large groups of quote unquote friends, acquaintances around me a lot of the different times in my life, but I've never really had multiple close friends. Like I've only ever had maybe one to two to three people that I would consider to truly be my friends in my life at a time. And I think that's because I've always been a very hyper independent child. I like a lot of the hobbies and interests that I have just so happen to be things that don't require other people. So as a kid, I really liked playing the piano. I really liked to sing. I really liked to write and I like to read. So I mean, obviously these activities don't require having a friend. So I would spend a lot of time on my own. I I also just kind of learned how to be alone and how to become my own best friend from a very young age because I was moving around so often. I was really lucky to have my sister, so I was never 100% alone. She's pretty close in age to me. She's like three years younger than me. So we were always kind of in the same spot in life. So I never was, like I said, completely alone, which I'm very, very grateful to her for. She's still probably one of my best friends. Um, but like I said, in school, it was, it was pretty hard. A lot of the times I would move to a new place and, you know, the kids that had been living there had known each other since they were like in kindergarten and nobody knew me. So it was a lot harder the older I got to fit in, especially with groups in cities that I'd never been before. I don't know if any of you are in California, but I think that any Californian can attest to the fact that if you go to a different city in California, it's almost like going to a different country. They're all very different. The culture in each city is very different. The social, I guess, can I call this like a social culture? That's what I'm going to call it. But yeah, the way that kids behaved and like the the hierarchies, the social hierarchies in my different high schools and my different middle schools were all so, so different. So I just had a really hard time navigating that. And I think my junior and senior year is when I really started to just give up and accept being alone. I have been in a lot of, I had been in a lot of situations in middle school and high school as well, where I just couldn't make friends or had a really hard time making friends. Um, and a lot of kids would pick on me because it's pretty easy to pick on the new girl who isn't going to be here for more than a year. So yeah, I always felt, I've always felt like, I'm not trying to say this to be sad, but I have always felt pretty on my own because any friends that I did make, they weren't guaranteed to be in my life for a long time. So I'm coming at this from the perspective of, never really having too many long-term friendships. I'm lucky to have a, f- a few people that have stuck in in my life um, for a long time. But for the most part, I've seen a lot of people come and I've seen a lot of people go. And it's always been very, very hard for me because when I was a kid, I was very extroverted. It's kind of funny because now I'd say I was a lot, I'm a lot more introverted but I had a really hard time with people not liking me. I had a really hard time being picked on and just like a really hard time, especially my junior and senior year, not having any friends. I would spend most weekends by myself <laughs> just like crying. <laughs> oh, 
We love high school. I could not wait for high school to end. When I got to college, things got a lot easier. I think that when you're in college, it's like a really wonderful opportunity to make friendships because especially your freshman year, you're all new. You're all going to the school for the first time. Um, so you kind of have this thing in common that bonds you together. Unfortunately, like two years into college, I started feeling really alienated from my friends and like from the people that I was hanging out with. Um, and I think that this was because I went through a spiritual awakening. I want to do an entire episode on this. A lot of people know about my history. I grew up in the Mormon church and then I left when I was 18. And for a long time, I was really lost in the dust. I I didn't know what to believe in. I didn't have any kind of spiritual health or beliefs. Um, and then very quickly when I was like 19, seemingly overnight, I just had all these grand, shall we say, spiritual epiphanies. I was basically going through an existential crisis, questioning everything. Um, and the people around me weren't doing that, you know, like who's going through existential crises in college. So I didn't know what to talk to people about. Like I would sit down with my then friends and I would just find that in this, I'm not trying to say this to be mean, but it's just like the only way I can think to say it is that I wasn't interested in anything that these people were talking about. And then when I would share something that I was interested in, my friends weren't interested in what I was talking about. So on one hand, I thought that everyone around me was crazy. I'm sure everyone was looking at me like I was crazy. But again, that doesn't matter. But I think a lot of us can relate to this. You don't need a spiritual awakening for this sort of alienation to happen to you. I just think in our 20s, it's like the time period where we're growing the quickest. Um, so, Oh, excuse me. In our 20s, all of your belief systems are being rewritten. Of course, there are people that like to cling to the belief systems that they uh, grew up learning. But for me, it was the opposite. You know, I'd grown up with these very conservative values and this very strict idea as to what God looked like or as to what spirituality should look like. And then all of a sudden, all of that was flipped on its head. And I found myself having to rewrite every single one of my beliefs. And when I say that, I, I mean everything. I had to think, rethink the way that I looked at food, rethink the way I looked at like literal beverages, clothing, the way that I like would converse with people. You get the picture. And I don't think that this is just true for people that lose their religion. Like when you're in your 20s, you're learning new things. You're the way that you once thought the world was when you were in the comfort of your parents' home. That is not the reality of this world. I think a lot of us are beginning to grow at a pace that is extremely rapid. And when we make these friends as this 18-year-old, fresh out of the house, innocent almost version of ourselves, fast forward a year later, a lot happens. Like a lot has happened. I'm sure you can attest to this from the time that I've been 18 to 22. I've, I am not the same person that I even was a month ago. So when I made these friends as this certain version of myself and I was no longer that version, 
I just felt so fucking alone. Like I would be in a room full of my friends and just feel like I might as well not be with anyone because that's how alone that I felt. So I started to question this. I started to be like, why? Why do I feel alone? Why am I not connecting with my friends anymore? And that's when I started my little like research situations. That's when I started diving into learning more about friendship and psychology and all of that good shit. And one of the first exercises that I came across that I found to be extremely helpful was what I'm going to call this bestie diagram. Now, I don't, I, this obviously isn't being filmed, so I'm going to need you to use your imagination. If you have a pen and paper nearby, I would really recommend you pause this and go grab it. If not, take a screenshot of the timestamp of where we are and definitely come back to this episode because if you are in any way struggling with your friendships, I promise you this bestie diagram will help. If my verbal instructions don't make sense, I'm going to be uploading a little template of the bestie diagram on my Instagram. You can go ahead and find that within the links below in the description. And without further ado, let's dive into the bestie diagram. So the first life-changing bit of information that I got on friendships was this fact that you can only mentally handle having five intimate relationships in your life. And this doesn't just mean platonic relationships. This can refer to your partner, your romantic partner. This can refer to your family, your cousins, your neighbors, your work friends, whatever. But what I mean by intimate is like ride or die, you would tell anything to this person. If they murdered someone, you're grabbing the shovel kind of closeness. So if you have those people in your life, if you have people that you would tell absolutely anything to, I want you to think about them right now. Consider who these top five people might be. Most of us do have five people that fill up this spot. I have like three people that I would say are definitely my most intimate best friends. And that is my mom, my sister, and my boyfriend. I mean, because those are just relationships that you can't really get much closer with people than you do with your family and your romantic partner. But then I also have my two best friends that I've known for a really, really long time that I also would consider to be on this list because at the end of the day, they also know just as much about me and I would tell them absolutely anything. I would do absolutely anything for these people. So when you have your five besties, I'm going to have you begin your diagram. So the first thing that you're going to do is draw a circle in the middle of your page. And within this circle, you're going to write the names of your five best friends. (laughs) I'm going to call this my bestie booze. So if you want to label it, you can label the circle bestie booze. Do a little whatever the fucking dot thing. (laughs) I don't know grammar. I'm having a hard time explaining how to write with words. Wow. Brain fart that was. Anyways. um, So once you're done writing out your bestie booze, we are going to dive into our just friends in general. So you could just call these your besties. You could call these your friends. Whatever. These are people who 
you would tell most of your secrets to, but not all of them. You don't quite know them like like that. Um, you would definitely hang out with them one on one, but you probably wouldn't help them cover up a murder. So I want you to go ahead and write out all of your friends. And there's no number limit to this. Just any name that you think of um, that falls into this category. Go ahead and write those down in, I don't know if I explained this, but in another circle around the bestie circle. Wow. We're we're not going to do visual diagrams on this because this is really hard to explain just like with my words, but I hope it makes sense. So you've got your very best friends in your inner circle. That's going to be five people. Then you're going to have a circle around that circle. And within that circle, I want you to write out all of your friends. Do we got it? Okay. I hope we do. Anyways, Once we have out all of our friends, all of our best, best friends, you're now going to do another circle around that circle. And there you're going to put anyone else that you thought of when you think of friends that doesn't quite fall under the category of like a good friend. Like you maybe wouldn't hang out with this person one-on-one, but you definitely would hang out with them in a group setting. You definitely would go to the beach with them or I don't fucking know what you do. Go sing karaoke with this person. I'm talking like your family friends, your coworkers, your neighbors that you're friendly with. You know who I'm talking about. So think about these people And I call these people besties by proxy because oftentimes they're like friends of friends, again, like family friends. They're not people that you like necessarily chose to be friends with, but they are considered to be your friends just because like you go to the same school, you're in the same class or you're in the same family or you go work work at the same job. I don't know. You hopefully get the point. So after you've written down your besties by proxy, we are now going to just write down one more circle around that one. And you're just going to write out your acquaintances in this. So this is going to be anyone who, you know, you would say hi to, you would wave to, um, that you might have a polite conversation with, but you're not going to invite them to go sing karaoke with you. So these are probably going to be like your neighbors, your um, co-workers that you don't really work with too often, your bosses. I don't fucking know your your classes. Wow. Your peers in class, your teachers and so on. So basically what we're doing with this is creating almost like a little guidebook or a little map of who is in your life. And the reason why this is so helpful just to like write out everyone's names is you're putting into perspective who is in your life right now, why are they in your life, and who do we maybe need to stop giving so much attention to. So basically, what I want you to do now with this bestie diagram that you have is I want you to read through the names and I mean, acquaintances and besties by proxy don't really matter too much for this. So don't spend too much time psychoanalyzing them. But definitely look within your bestie boo list and your bestie list. And I want you to circle any names right now of any friends that you're kind of unsure about. Like, you're not sure if they're necessarily a bad friend, but they haven't been making you feel the best recently, maybe. So 
once you've circled out these names, your suspicious besties, this is when the real fun begins. So now that you have all of these names out, I first just want to give a second bit of information that I found to be very helpful when I was first going through my little bestie recession. Um, And that is that not all of your friends need to fulfill all of your needs. So what I mean by this is we have certain friends for certain things. You have your friends that you go out with and then you probably have your friends that you study with if you're in college and you probably have your friends that you could tell everything to and then you probably have your friends that you would go out to coffee with. But these people don't often intersect. Like the friends that I would go party with, unfortunately, aren't really the people that I would go and tell my deepest, darkest secrets to. And for a long time, I would look at this as like, I would look at my friends that were my party friends and I would be getting really, really frustrated that they weren't having like deep philosophical, emotional conversations with me. Then after I heard this bit of advice, I kind of had this shift in my mindset that was very helpful because I realized that it was okay. Like it was okay that they're not having these deep philosophical conversations with me because they are, they're not my philosophical friends, you know, like those are my party friends. And like what friend that's going to go out with me at the drop of a hat is also going to like have a talk with me about friendships and the dynamics of it all for like multiple hours. Like, I mean, some people maybe, but it's pretty rare that you're going to find a friend that meets all of your needs. The same thing goes with romantic relationships. I think that we just put really unrealistic expectations on both romantic and platonic relationships because we expect I mean, we're constantly being seen movies where one person is the savior. One person comes into the main character's life and boom, like she's saved from every horrible thing that's going on. This isn't true. It takes you. It takes multiple friends that are healthy relationships. It might take a romantic partner, but it mostly takes you and then a few supporting characters to have a healthy social life. And what I mean by this is basically we need to lower, like it sounds bad, but I think, I hope you understand what I'm saying. We need to lower our expectations for certain friends, put them into perspective. And what this allows for us to do is not get disappointed when our party friends aren't fulfilling our emotional needs. Again, if you're going through this and you're like, oh, like, I don't really have emotional philosophical friends that I can talk about deep things with, but it seems like everyone that I wrote down on my list is like a wonderful friend to go out with or to go have fun with. That's amazing. Like you already have a part of your social life figured out. So all you need to do is start looking for friends that will be your philosophical debate friends, whatever you need. And we're going to talk more about how to make these kinds of friends more at the end of this episode. But I really hope that this all makes sense. What I'm trying to do here is just put all of your relationships into perspective. And another important note is if there is anyone on this list, and I'm I'm looking at your circled names here, and you might want to too. Um, if any of the people on your list or anyone that you have circled doesn't benefit you in at least one way. Like you're looking at this person and you're like, 
I don't have fun partying with them. I can't take them to a coffee shop and have a conversation with them. They most certainly won't hear about my emotional problems. We might be dealing with an energy vampire on our hands. I truly believe that I think this is I mean, I think this is a pretty good standard for friendship is they don't have to meet all of your needs, but they should be meeting at least one need. So I'm going to dive into a little bit of the besties by proxy circle here. So when we're looking at these people, these are people who we didn't necessarily choose to become friends with them. They're friends with us because we see them every day or they're related to us or for whatever reason, reason we go to work with them, we go to class with them. This is the issue that a lot of people tend to have with their high school friends. I know um, it's true for myself and it's true for a lot of kids my age where you kind of leave high school, you go to college and all of a sudden you're not talking to anybody that you went to high school with. And these are people who you claimed were your ride or dies. They were going to be your friends forever. And all of a sudden you've just lost contact. This is a very natural thing. This happens to most of us when we hit college. And it's simply because you probably wouldn't have been friends with these people if they didn't grow up with you, if they didn't go to your high school. A lot of the times, I mean, we don't like to be lonely. We're social creatures. So whoever's around us, we're going to be friends with them. It doesn't matter if we don't really have that much in common. So I just really want to make sure that when we're looking through the two most inner circles, these are the people that are important. We want to make sure that we have things in common with these people in our inner circles, that we're not just friends with them because we feel obligated to. Because I know that I definitely had a lot of people on my diagram when I first did this exercise two or three years ago. I can't do math. (laughs) When I first did this episode, I was looking at a lot of these people um, that I was putting energy into, and I just realized that they weren't putting any energy into me. And in fact, the only reason why I felt obligated to put energy into these people was because of a simple connection. Like we went to high school together or we went to, we worked together or had the same class. If there isn't an instant compatibility, if you don't feel joy or feel like you've gained something, some good energy from this friendship or hanging out with this person, that is, again, a good sign that you might be dealing with an energy vampire, but they don't even need to be energy vampires. A lot of our friends, we've just simply outgrown. We no longer like the same things or the friendship worked for middle school, but you know, girl, it's not going to work for college. And no one has to do anything wrong. It simply just goes down to compatibility. And that goes back to why I don't like the term toxicity because I think it's a bad way to look at it. Like we we literally just grow apart. We just develop different morals and beliefs and hobbies. And that's completely okay. And I also, I think it's really okay to not cut off friendships, but just to start taking space from them. So if you're looking at some of these people, maybe we're looking at our acquaintances and our besties by proxy, and we're kind of like, I don't really love having that conversation with my neighbor every single morning. 
you know what, maybe I'm just going to wait until they go back inside their house before I go take my morning walk so I don't have to waste 10 minutes to talk to them. It doesn't have to be because they suck or anything. I think it's important to remember, especially as like a people pleaser, um, who I'm certain if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably going to have those tendencies um, like me. It's really easy for us to just like sacrifice all of our energy at a given moment because somebody else needs it. And I really want you to start looking at your time as something that's very valuable and that you have complete control over and um, you should be using your time in ways that benefit you, not that benefit other people. So if any of these relationships are not beneficial to you in any way, I want you to circle them and we're going to talk about now what to do with them, how to identify if they're like truly a problem or not, and what to do. So now we're going to dive into energy vampires. What are they? How do we spot them? And how do we protect ourselves from them? So a lot of the times, energy vampires don't have to be our friends. It could be a roommate. It could be a family member. It could be a boss, a coworker, a classmate, a teacher, you name it. Energy vampires are all over the goddamn world, unfortunately. Um, I found myself getting to this point when I was 19 and I realized that I really wasn't connecting with a lot of the people around me. I started to notice that a lot of the people around me made me feel very drained and honestly didn't add any value to my life. And these people were energy vampires and these people are very dangerous. So we're going to be we're going to want to avoid them. So first of all, what is an energy vampire? It's hard to like generalize a definition for this. I didn't come up with this term. Um, but what I would describe an energy vampire as is anyone that feeds off of the energy of other people but doesn't offer up their own. So these are going to be your friends that get like pissed at you for not answering the phone, who expect you to drive them to the airport at 3 a.m. without even saying thank you. These are the friends that might ask you to borrow money without ever paying you back. Basically, Anyone in your life who's kind of using up your your resources or anyone else's resources, may that be time, money, or things, or energy, whatever it is, if someone is taking anything from you and not giving anything back, that is a pretty sure sign that you are dealing with an energy vampire, unfortunately. Um, So these are some signs to further hopefully explain, because I don't think I'm doing a good job, um, what an energy vampire is. So again, we're really going to want to be looking at the people that we've circled, especially if we've circled anyone within our two most closest social circles, because we see these people the most. We don't want to be dedicating our time and energy to people who don't truly appreciate it and give some of their time and energy back to us. So The first sign that someone that you're dealing with might be an energy vampire is that when you're around them, you feel stressed out or exhausted. The second sign that you might be dealing with an energy vampire is that they feel entitled to take your time or space without questioning or considering your needs, your needs, not your knees. (laughs) I kind of just said this. 
like if someone one of your friends is expecting you to do a major favor for them like picking you up picking them up from the airport that's super far away in the middle of the night and they don't even think about what you might be needing to do or think about thanking you um that's a pretty good sign that you're dealing with an energy vampire so number three is that you might experience physical pain or discomfort when that person is close to you or when you think about them. So I kind of call this a repelling aura. If you don't know what an aura is, it's this belief that the energy field around you, because our body does emit energy, does emit a frequency, um, but there's a lot of spiritual beliefs that this frequency is like an it's like a direct reflection almost of our soul um that it is able to be felt by other people that it can um that it is consistent of that it consists of all these different colors ooh that it consists of all these different colors relative to your personality blah 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 i i don't think i need to explain what auras are um but i do want to do a whole episode talking about them because i'm very fascinated in auras but for my spiritual girlies anyone with just like a dark aura like this could be the colors are physically dark or the energy like just the physical feeling of being around that person it feels very dark it feels very dreary and just not good. So if any of the people that you've circled make you feel any physical sensations of discomfort when they're around you, I'm sorry, but again, a pretty good sign that you're dealing with an energy vampire. So the fourth sign that you're dealing with an energy vampire is that this person is attached and dependent on you and the rest of the people around them. So if this is a person who's asking you to go pick them up at the airport at a really inconvenient time um, and you say no, they might freak the fuck out at you. It may, it may be because they don't have anyone else to come get them or it may just be that they feel entitled to your time and space and energy. But for the most part, these aren't going to be people that like to be alone. They often are going to always surround themselves with people. That's why energy vampires actually tend to have... Ah! Sorry. <laughs> why they tend to have a lot of friends, funny enough, um, because they just like cannot stand to be alone. And that's because they're not producing their own life force energy. A lot of the times these people are very miserable and they need to feed off of people that are producing positive energy because they physically cannot produce it themselves. So if any of your friends feel like they are dependent on you for anything like their well-being, money, rides, whatever, again, a pretty good sign that you're dealing with an energy vampire. So the fifth sign, we have two more, is that if they're in a bad mood, Everyone else has to be in a bad mood. You know the kind of people that I'm talking about. I don't think I really need to explain this one too much. I can't tell you the amount of times that I have made friends that were like this. They would come over or, you know, we would hang out and they would be in a terrible mood. You know, something bad happened, but they would like make sure that either I was in a bad mood too or that I knew that they were in a bad mood. You know, basically projecting negative energy onto people in a way that affects them, that's a pretty good sign that you're dealing with an energy vampire. 
I definitely did do this when I was going through a really hard time. I would take that out on the people around me that were closest to me. However, the difference between that and an energy vampire is they don't give a fuck who you are. They will take that negative energy out on you. Nowadays, I will only really take out my anger. (laughs) Not good to take it out on anyone, but you know, we're all human. I'll like only ever project my anger and sadness onto like my sister, my mom, and my boyfriend, like my top three closest people to me. I, I would never fucking ever put my bad mood onto people that were close to me or like people that were my friends or my roommates. But I have had people in my life, you know, like have a bad day and just like, really not want anyone else to have a bad day and that sucks and it's again a pretty good sign that you're dealing with an energy vampire so the sixth and final reason and this kind of loops back to what i've already talked about is that they require um not reason sign sorry the sixth sign is that they require a constant attention and cannot be alone i've already talked about that no need to embellish anymore so We now know what an energy vampire is. We know the signs. If anyone on your list is resonating with any of these kinds of signs, we're now going to talk about how to protect ourselves from them. It's really important to protect your peace. It's really important to protect your energy. My therapist is constantly telling me, protect your peace, protect your peace, because I just like to see the good in people. If someone's upset, I often want to help them. But unfortunately, with energy vampires, we can't always help them if they're upset because a lot of the times, like I said, it's going to be... I don't want to call them dramatics because, I mean, obviously, if someone is acting this way, they're definitely going through something really hard. But anyone who's projecting negative energy onto other people, that is a pretty big threat to your own peace, especially if you're like me. I am very, very sensitive. I've always been. Um, So if someone comes around me and they're sad or if they're mad, I'm going to feel that. And especially with energy vampires, it can honestly, like oftentimes I've let other people's bad moods just ruin my entire day. And I don't want that to happen to you. You shouldn't ever, ever let anybody else's bad day, you know, make it your bad day as well. So this is how to protect yourself from an energy vampire. And I'm going to go through another list of steps here. So the first step is to ground yourself um, before seeing them. So if you know that you're going to be seeing an energy vampire, best case scenario would be that you don't have to see them. But let's say it's a roommate, it's a family member, someone that you can't avoid, a coworker, a boss. Um, so before you see them, try to do a grounding exercise. Grounding exercises consist of, you know, the whole thing about taking your shoes off, going outside for a walk that actually really helps, sitting in meditation for a little bit beforehand, or doing yoga. Anything that like grounds you into your body is going to be really helpful. Um, My second tip is to do a shielding meditation. This goes with grounding. So after you've grounded yourself, um, I want you to do the shielding meditation that I have in my third episode, I believe, or is it my second? My second episode, my intentional drinking episode, I talked about doing the shielding meditation before going out. This this also works for energy vampires. 
when you're meditating, just envision your aura or like a physical shield around you is protecting you from these negative energies and sit in that meditation for as long as you need until you feel that energy around you. Why is this number calling me like three times? I'm scared. Why do random numbers call me? Okay, I'm sorry. Anyways, number three, um, the third way that you can protect yourself from an energy vampire is that if you do need to spend time with them, try not to do it alone. So again, if you know that you have to hang out with them, invite another friend to come along with you, someone who you trust, someone who you love, so that that energy isn't really displaced onto you. If you do find yourself in a room alone with them or in a situation alone with them and they are crossing your boundaries, it is 100% okay to leave. If they're in your house, go for a walk. If you're in the car with them, tell them to pull over and get out. I've done it before. If someone is affecting your energy in a negative way, immediately just try. I feel like it's always best to try and get out of there. But a lot of the times it's really helpful to have someone else to deflect that. So the fourth tip I have for you, and this is counterintuitive a little bit. This this is more for energy vampires in our life that, you know, maybe they're not always this way. Maybe they're just going through something or maybe um, this is someone who you really care about. So like a family member or like one of your best friends that you don't want this relationship to end. You don't want to have to cut them out. So this is when we are going to try to Um, give them some empathy. And I want you to listen to them and ask them what's wrong. So this is steps four and five. First, ask them what's wrong. A lot of the times people that are behaving this way are really going through something. Being an energy vampire is kind of a huge cry for help. Hurt people hurt people. Like that quote is fucking real. So if someone is behaving this way towards you, it could be really helpful to just in the most caring possible way that you can ask them what's going on let them know that you're here for them and if they do end up telling you what's going on listen to them like really listen to them I think that like a little bit of a tangent right now but I'm noticing more and more that kids my age are losing the ability to listen to each other and when all of us feel like none of us are being listened to that can often just be a breeding ground for energy vampires because if you're not being listened to, if no one is even trying to empathize with your situation, it would make sense to just be mad at the world and in turn be mad at everybody around you. So sometimes you can cure them, honestly, just by asking them what's wrong and actually listening to them. Again, take this advice with a grain of salt. It depends on who you're dealing with. If you're dealing with a truly emotionally abusive person, it doesn't matter what they're going through. I'm sorry. I don't care. There's no excuse for being abusive in any way, shape, or form. Get the fuck out of there. Cut them out. F them. We don't want anything to do with them. It's violent, but you get the picture. So, Number six, the sixth tip I have for you is to stick to light topics when you're around them. So maybe we're not going to bring up politics and um, family drama or friend drama or I don't fucking know what else is sensitive religion. You know what I'm talking about. Just stick. Talk about the weather. Talk about. I almost said Britney Spears, but that's like not a light topic. That's a pretty dark topic. Um, talk about the plants. I don't know. You you get the picture. 
don't bring up anything that you know is going to make this person argue. We're not trying to trigger the energy vampire, okay? We're just trying to get around her, him, them, and be on our way. So number seven um, is to reduce contact and time spent with them. So again, I want you to this. I feel like I can't really give solid advice on this because it's really dependent on the certain person that you're talking about and who you are. So it depends on your relationship with them. But if this is a person where you've decided that you are okay with um, not pursuing a relationship with them and you have deemed that they are indeed a really um, an energy vampire you've tried to talk to them you've tried to hear them out and it's still just not getting any better I think that that is time to reduce contact I also think it's really important to discern who you owe an explanation to and who you don't this is a hard lesson that I'm still learning I am someone that likes to overexplain. Obviously, I'm talking about this one topic for an entire hour. But I found that I was overexplaining in my relationships. So when I would set a boundary or when I felt like it was time for me to retire a certain relationship, I would overexplain and send like paragraph after paragraph after paragraph. Number one, I have found that texting is just kind of like the worst way to deliver any point across that's serious because you can't tone and body language and eye contact are like the pinnacles of conversation like they add so much context that we just do not get on our phones so I think if in any way you cannot (laughs) um, communicate with these people especially energy vampires over the phone that's going to be the best if you do have to communicate with them over the phone I would recommend um, giving them a phone call or sending them an audio voice message because at least they can hear your voice and they can hear the way that you're saying things. So if they do, because, you know, a lot of the times you can explain things perfectly um, and do everything right in your boundary setting, but people aren't always going to like it, especially energy vampires. Someone that's benefiting off of you not setting boundaries with them is not going to like it when you start setting boundaries with them. I think that setting boundaries is a really great way to kind of discern who deserves to be in your life and who doesn't. If someone reacts negatively to any of your boundaries, I think that this is a red flag. And I'll tell you why. Because I want you to also think about this. Think about any of your friends. Think about any of the people on this list. If they told you any kind of boundary, like something stupid, like, hey, when you wear polka dots, it makes me really upset. Would you ever wear polka dots again? Probably not, like even if it's stupid, because if you really love someone, if you really care about them, if their relationship means a lot to you, you are willing to make little compromises here and there for that relationship to carry on or for that person to feel comfortable. At the end of the day, and this is another lesson it has been taking me a long time to learn, if you feel something, you have every right to express it and that feeling is valid no matter what anybody tells you. So Express your feelings, set your boundaries, 
reduce contact time with them. Sometimes you can just slowly stop talking to them, slowly stop seeing them as much. Sometimes, though, they do require an explanation and you might need to let that person know if it's someone really close to you. Hey, you've been doing this kind of behavior recently that I'm not a big fan of. I mean, obviously, don't say that word for word. But give them an explanation. Let them know if it's someone who matters to you. They deserve to know that they're behaving like a dick because we're not helping anybody by enabling that behavior. And you're just letting that person out into the world where they're going to continue to act like a dick and probably piss more people off. So I think if you do love and care about this person, the best thing to do is to let them know, hey, you're being an asshole. I'm going to be taking some time away obviously write that in a nicer way. Um, One of the best books that I would recommend to you for boundary setting is Set Boundaries, Find Peace. I'm forgetting the author, but that will be linked below. That is just a very helpful book in um, setting boundaries of any kind. And the author is brilliant. She has like different templates and different sections on how to set boundaries with different people because obviously the way you set a boundary with a friend is going to be a lot different from um, the way that you set a boundary with like a parent. So you've taken some time away from them. You've reduced contact. And the final step to protecting yourself from an energy vampire is cutting them out. And this is often going to be a last resort. I kind of already talked about um, how to know when to just simply reduce contact with someone and when to cut them off. I can't tell you when to cut someone off. You will know. If this person is absolutely not adding any value to your life, they're only making it worse I don't really care who they are. I, I I think you should cut them out. I don't think anyone should be in your life that isn't adding any sort of value to it. Again, think about your own situation. Think about the person you're dealing with. If this is someone who you care about and who you've been um, friends with for a really long time, I do think it's worth it to kind of explain that to them. But at the end of the day, you are what's most important. You are always your own number one priority. So girl, if if you want to go someone, I think you should ghost them. Controversial opinion. But like I said, some people deserve an explanation and some people just simply don't. There are how many people in this world? So many fucking people in this world. You only live one life as far as we know. You should only be wasting any time and energy on people that you think are just really cool. If you don't think they're cool, why are you friends with them? Then when it comes to friendship breakups, because, you know, we've all had them. I have had a lot more of them in this time period. But I think that um, if you have done like everything that you can kind of think of and um, the relationship ends, I think that that's okay. I think that we first need to offer ourselves some compassion with this because I think that if you've done everything that you can possibly do, you know, like that's all you can do. You did your best, babes. Like it's okay if the friendship ended um, and you didn't want to. I think it's important to know that friendships are 
just as important to us psychologically as romantic relationships. So a friendship breakup can be and is just as traumatic as a romantic breakup. So take care of yourself the same way you would if you broke up with your boyfriend. Call your mom, cry, eat some ice cream, sit in front of the TV for days if that's what you need to do. Do what you need to do to be okay and just know that there is a reason why friendship breakups seem to be traumatic, and that's because they are. They are literally extremely traumatic. So take care of yourself, and I love you, and I'm sorry if you're someone who's going through that right now. It's it's very painful. Um, I've noticed, especially with myself, just like with my female relationship breakups, I think with us girlies, our relationships get really intimate really fast. We tell each other everything, and Losing someone who knows a lot about you and who you have invested a lot of time and energy and love into, it's very, very painful. And you need to give yourself the, um, you need to give yourself credit. You need to give yourself love and you need to be very, very gentle and caring with yourself and just know that if you followed all of these steps, if you've listened to this whole episode and you know, you go on to do some more research and and you've decided that this friendship is over and it ends. I want you to know that as painful as that breakup is, it is so much less painful to just cut them out of your life and to lose them to than to keep an abusive, mean person in your life. Like we do not have time for that. Bye. Get the fuck out. Anyways. <laughs> sorry, I went on the Ah! Why is everyone calling me? I'm busy. Sorry. Last but not least, I'm getting tired of hearing myself talk, um, but I want to talk about being your own best friend and then how to make new friends. So this kind of does come natural to me. So it's not going to come natural to a lot of people. And that's okay. And um, it's supposed to be hard, babes. It's called growth. Growth is hard. Newsflash. It sucks. Um, But I really want you to learn how to be comfortable with yourself. Many of you might be looking at your bestie diagram right now and like no one is on the diagram and that's okay. Like, don't worry about it. (laughs) Take a breath. Um, I think that when you don't have any friends, it's kind of awesome. It's like a new start. You don't have to devote any of your time or energy to anyone other than yourself. One of my favorite quotes, and it's from like a SZA song. Um, where she's talking to her grandmother at one of the end of her songs. And she says, how do I deal with rejection? I'm dealing with a lot of rejection right now. And her grandma says, that's great. If you're rejected by everyone, oh, excuse me. She says, if nobody wants you, that means you're free. So I want you to look at this. If you've recently lost all your friends, if you feel like you've outgrown your friends or you just simply don't have any friends, if you feel alone at all, I want you to not look at it like you're alone because you're not. You always have yourself. You always have your spirit team. You are never alone. I know it's cheesy to say, but just like literally you are never alone. Like look outside. If there's grass outside, there's bugs in there. You're not alone. (laughs) You have your bug friends and your plant friends. That sounds sad and crazy, but you get what I mean. Um, I want you to just start looking at this as an opportunity, as freedom. You like I said, get to choose what to do with your time and what to do with your energy. So start taking yourself out on little friend dates. If you're like, 
I don't really know what I like to do because what I liked to do was hang out with my friends. Um, again, uh, why is there a truck that stopped in the middle of the road? I'm scared. Sorry about that. I'm recording in my car on top of a hill and this truck just like stopped right next to me. So I just saw my life flash before my my eyes. Anyways, let's talk about how to become our own best friend. <laughs> just a recap. We're all alone. <laughs> we have no friends. We're free, though. It's awesome. I want you to look at this as a good opportunity to get to know yourself. If you are like really new to this whole self-love, self-growth, growth, growth <laughs> process, um, I think that one of the best ways to start is by simply looking at the um, things that we like to do when we were kids. So if you don't really have any hobbies that you do by yourself, um, look at what you like to do as a kid. Did you like to go swimming? Did you like to go running? Did you like to hike? Um, like what kind of musical instruments did you want to play? Did you like to draw? Like literally anything. If you are having trouble remembering, call your mom. I called my mom and I was like, mom, what did I do when I was a kid? And I just want you to just start doing it. Anything that's been on your bucket list for a while, like, oh, I've always wanted to go to this museum. Just fucking go. Like do all the things that you couldn't have done if you did have friends, do them right now. You are 100% in charge of what you get to do. And I think that that's so fun. There's another thing where it's like a lot of us could be very anxious to start doing these things alone. I know that I was definitely really anxious when I started um, because I was so used to doing a lot of things with my friends, like any kind of errands that I had to run any shopping that I was doing, I was always bringing along a friend. And then suddenly I was doing all of that by myself. And I think it was really good for me, but it was also really hard at first. And I think that it's okay for things to be hard at first because like, how else are we going to grow? Like everything that um, causes you to grow is going to be hard. And there's all of these college girls right next to me right now and I feel very uncomfortable and embarrassed because I feel like they can hear me talking but anyways what am I saying um okay so just plan some dates with yourself take yourself to that museum that you really want to go to read those books that you've been meaning to read for a long time eat those meals <laughs> that you've been wanting to cook take yourself on dates. It's really fun. If you maybe still are having trouble coming up with some activities, I use Pinterest all the time when I'm bored. Like I will look up things to do alone or things to do when you're bored in your room. Just utilize social media. That's what it's there for. Um, and start filling up your time with things that you're genuinely really interested in. Start learning new methods of self-care that work for you and just really start dating yourself. Really learn how to become your own best friend. And soon enough, if you're your own best friend, if you know who you are without a doubt um, and you have like a very good sense of self, other people are going to notice that. Funny enough, if you start developing self-love and self-awareness around a group of friends that don't really have that, you might just lose your friends automatically. Like that might be painful, but divine intervention is a fucking thing. And sometimes the universe is going to take people out of your life for you as you grow. So I think that it's like really totally okay that if 
you start like knowing who you are, if you start like liking who you are, um, it's okay to say goodbye to some of your friends. Why are there teenage boys around my car now? This is super scary. But yeah, anyways, I think I might go because we're like, what are you doing? I I forgot what I was saying because there was a bunch of teenage boys around me. But I, basically the whole point is as you start to love yourself, as you start to like yourself, get to know yourself, people might just remove themselves from your life because it can be really threatening if you struggle with these things to see someone else succeeding at spending time alone to succeeding at dating their self, you know? So, you know, got you got to brace a little bit for some jealousy, for some social weirdness. That's just going to happen. You can't really stop that from happening. Um, but at the end of the day, it is just a sign of growth. So, okay, what's the last thing that I wanted to talk about? Ugh. The last thing that I wanted to talk about is how to make new friends. And number one, this just kind of comes naturally when you get to know yourself better because you um, are just going to start to repel anyone who is like pretty insecure. And at the same time, it may not, you may have like cut all your friends off or you're finding yourself in that position where, you know, you just realize you don't really have a lot of people around you. That's okay too. It's okay to want friends. Like we, like I've said a few times on here, like we all need friends. So some of my tips that I've um, started implementing to start to make new friends is number one, I go to a lot of the same places often at the same times. So I try to go to my school library at the same time every week on the same day. Um, I will try to go to like this one coffee shop every so often. Um, another way that you can meet friends is by joining a gym, going there on the same times. Um, maybe joining a yoga class, a fitness class, any kind of class for something that you're interested in. Any environment um, that reflects your interests. So if you really like books, like I said, going to the library, uh, you're going to find people at those places with similar interests to you and just spark up a conversation. You may not even have to start by sparking up conversations because this is pretty scary, especially coming from someone who's also very socially anxious. Sometimes it can be enough just to smile at them and wave at them and say hi. And then maybe the next time that you see them say like, oh, I've just seen you around a lot here. And like, I noticed that you're reading this book or I really like your style or I noticed that you're listening to this artist that I really like, you know, come up with reasons to talk to them. You can do it. You are so brave and start those conversations. And there's not enough people starting conversations in this world anymore. We need to start more conversations. Anyways, aside from just being yourself, which will just automatically attract people that are on your same wavelength, going to places that reflect your values and your interests. Um, I would also, I've heard that Bumble BFF, <laughs> randomly enough, is a good resource. Like, use the internet, use Craigslist. I mean, be safe, but like use Instagram. When I first went to school here and I didn't know anybody, I just found people through the school's Instagram. And if they looked cool, I would send them a DM and just say, hey, I just moved here. And this works if you are 
um, moving to a new city and you're all alone. Like, it's totally fine, I think, to just like comment on girls' posts and be like, hey, I just moved here. If you ever want to get coffee, let you know, like, let me know. Um, people are nicer than we give them credit for a lot of the times. People are also meaner than we give them credit for a lot of the times. So if you try to engage with someone and they're not giving you like enthusiastic, um, responses back, like that's okay, babes. You win some and you lose some. So yeah, I think that that's all my tips on friendship. I'm a little bit nervous. <laughs> I, I don't know if a lot of this made sense. I really just went on a lot of tangents and I have been very distracted by lots of teenagers that are deciding to go on runs past my car. I'm terrified of teenagers. But anyways, I hope that this helps. I know that um, these tips really helped me with my friendship issues. And again, the only reason why I do this podcast is honestly to try to help some of us tweens lost in our 20s. I love you. I appreciate you listening. Thank you so much. Like, I can't tell you. Listening to an hour of me talking is pretty crazy. Thank you. I can't even do it. Um, but I love you. Make sure to tune in to my other episodes if you haven't listened to them already. There's going to be new ones coming out soon. I'm I'm hoping to get a lot more released this upcoming week and next week. So let me know if you have any topics that you would like me to cover. Again, I just like can't say it enough. I love you. Thank you for supporting me. Make sure to give this podcast a rating if you enjoy it. And yeah, that's it. Have a good week and good luck making those besties. Bye-bye.